Welcome to the Calvary Baptist Church Podcast. For more information, be sure to visit us at cbctaylorville.com. Listen now as Pastor Chad delivers this week's message. How are you? How are you guys in the back? You guys good? Virgil's good. All right, I saw that. And you got your uh, Santa hat on, so we, ho, ho, ho. We got Santa here today. That's good. Um, hey, so just by way of just like checking on things, who's ready for Christmas already? You got, uh, raise your hand up. You should be proud of that. It's quite an achievement. All right, who's, who's close? Still are like some of it's up, like some of it, you're, like some of it. Some of you are waiting for Christmas Eve. Who's that? You're waiting for Christmas Eve. Okay, we need to pray for these people. Hey, I get it. Hey, they're in my life group. We have much work to do, don't we? Hey, so it is the season, and it is it's an, just an amazing season for us to be in, and it's Christmas and all that comes with it. But I also know that this is the season of distractions, is it not? Whoa, I got some agreement here in the house. Uh, so it is this, it's just a season of distractions. There seems to be... Uh, obviously, everything with Christmas and all the new things that happen just because of Christmas and get-togethers and family getting together and all the different things. So normal life continues, but yet you have to add on all the other Christmas things. You know what I mean? So it's like you add those things in, and then it's really easy in this season to just kind of get swept up and just kind of wish this season away. Who'd be honest and just raise their hand and say, sometimes I just feel like that. It's just like, sometimes I just feel like just kind of wish it away, like, hey, hello, first of the year, New Year's resolution, let me just move on. You see, what we're going to talk about today is something so pivotal, I think, in the life of a believer, or even an unbeliever, you can, you can resonate with this. Of course, this is a church, so we are followers of Jesus Christ. If you're not welcome into this place, you're certainly welcome here to explore faith and to ask questions and to dig in. But there's definitely something here if, if you are one with Christ because we believe that Jesus is the, is the hope of the world, and yet he has a mission and a calling for us in this life. So he wants us to do a lot of great things and partner with him, and this season becomes complicated even from the mission that we're supposed to accomplish because of distractions, and all of us are prone to be distracted. All of us are. As a matter of fact, by way of helping you, I thought I would help define what the word distraction comes from. So if you have your worship guide, it looks like this at the top of your worship guide. I've actually giving you a definition of the word distraction just so we can all understand what I'm talking about. It comes from the Latin word dis, meaning apart or drag. So distraction is when we're dragged or pulled away from something to something else. So just to put that at the elementary level so we understand what what that means to be distracted. It means that there's something else that we need to be doing, and yet there's something that happens to where we get swept up away from what we're supposed to do and dragged away at times into some other things. You see, distractions can be external to us. They can be external. Uh, A great illustration of this is in the movie Up and the Squirrel. Every time that pops up, squirrel, and he turns his mind, like we have those types of moments. It's like just these little things that that trigger us, and they take our attention away. They can be external, squirrel. It could be a noise. It could be a broken relationship. It could be a lot of different things. It could be just just the time of year of thinking of all these other things. Speaking of thinking, distractions can be internal also. 
We can be distracted just by the feeling of burnout. We can be distracted by mulling over things in our mind. Has anyone ever, you've been in a conversation with somebody like a human being in front of you, and yet your mind is far, far, far away, and you're mulling over something that happened or something that you think is going to happen, or you're worrying about something else, and yet you find yourself halfway in the middle of the conversation not knowing what the conversation's about at all. Like I've been there. And it's really easy to do that. Because distractions are both external to us and also internal to us. And speaking of internal to us and external, kind of a a mishmash, I have some other examples of things that get distracted, especially this time of year. I I know this is the time of year everybody gets pictures and you take pictures and all those kinds of things, maybe family pictures, and maybe you finally bribed your kids and grandkids to get together to take a family picture because it's Christmas, and that's the one thing you wanted for Christmas. I understand that. But like in the middle of your Christmas picture and somebody's taking a picture with their phone, and all it takes is for one person to be outside of the mainframe out there, and all of a sudden you're distracted. You have no idea what you're looking at. It's really easy to do that, is it not? Like if you're taking a picture, you want to concentrate, and yet you're distracted by what else is happening. Also, when you're just driving... It's, I love to sightsee when I drive. I love it. I love it. Problem is I'm always driving. So the two things really don't go well together. We were in the, in the mountains for our anniversary just a few weeks ago. And, and you know, you just fight the urge because there's great views. We're in the great Smokies. There's, there's a view at every turn. And yet it's either death at every turn of like going off the road or looking at the mountains and it's like, I don't know, it was a toss-up, awful distracting. Uh, we're out of this stage in our house, uh, but if you have crying babies at home or diapers that need changed or runny noses or, or crawling or running children, you know that you're like a whisper away from a distraction, aren't you? It's like whatever you're doing is not as important, whatever they think that you need to be doing. And any mother knows this, if they've tried to go to the bathroom alone, right? They know this. Just try and go alone. I need five minutes. I need three. Give me 30 seconds, Lord. And yet your child is like, what are you doing in there? What I always do in here. Get away from you. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. That's that's not true. Doing some other stuff in there too, but you know. Like we could also be distracted too. Like maybe you make a, you're trying to make a better decision. Maybe health-wise you're trying to make a better decision. And yet you have this thought in your mind and you're reminded that there's a bag of chips in, in, in the pantry. And you're just, you're trying, you're trying to just like, no, I'm going to just persevere, you know. Uh, Holy Spirit, help me persevere and not think about those chips. And yet you find yourself in there and you open the chips and then you're off to the races. You're distracted. You fell. By the way, that distraction has come by many forms, don't they? And certainly if you're trying to read your Bible... I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read my Bible, it's, it's also like as soon as I sat down in my chair to, and I pray and, I, and I, I read my Bible and I open it up, I'm like, God, I'm just going to connect with you right now. And then like someone, it just seems like someone lets a squirrel loose in my brain. And it's just like, all the, it's all going on and I have to fight all of that just to, just to do what I'm committed to do. And, and clearly, we have to fight to focus. We have to fight to focus. I think one of the reasons why we, 
we, we kind of lose sight of this is because we lose sight in the fact that when we're distracted spiritually, as understanding that there's actually a spiritual battle, there's actually forces against you to distract you, to take you away from God, away from God wants you to do, away from loving people the way that he wants you to, to love them, and also just away from him and away from feeling loved by him. And yet there's so much of this and And I think if I were to summarize this, I would just summarize it by saying that there's every force in hell is trying to distract you. It's trying to distract you. That we have an enemy who opposes us, who's trying to divide and devour and to distract us at every turn because he knows the potential that you have Because it's God in you, and he knows that. John 10.10, it's not the main passage this morning, but John 10.10 says this very well. I'll read it. Jesus' words. Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's like, the thief, the, the enemy, Satan, What is he seeking to do in in this great distraction of life? To steal and kill and destroy hope and peace and love and joy, forgiveness, purpose, vision. And Jesus continues and he says, and I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus in one verse, he, 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 he poses two different forces that are at play to distract us. What I've also found is this, the, devil's does, the devil doesn't need to destroy us if he can distract us. He doesn't need to be all out to try and destroy us if he can distract us. Because if we can be distracted, what happens is in, in that we take our eye off of Christ and, and then we, if we're distracted long enough, eventually we'll destroy ourselves. And in that we'll have our heart being divided from God. There's a discouragement that happens in our soul. And then sadly, if we continue down that that track, there's a disengagement of our faith. Obviously, you, you and I feel what I'm saying right now and know that it's important that we do something about these distractions. We have a passage of scripture that we're gonna look at intently It comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's in the New Testament. We're going to look at chapter 10. This great story of of two different ladies when Jesus is present. The ladies were only doing what was in their custom to do. They, They, in their custom, if someone showed up at your door, it was part of their custom to invite that person in no matter what was going on, to invite that person in. It was part of their custom. So what they were doing was all right. As a matter of fact, I would very much commend Lazarus, Mary, and Martha in the fact that they opened their home up to Jesus. But yet what happens next is what I think we're going to dig into and I think we're going to find some application for our life because what happens next is, is taking 
taking some things that are happening and, and be able to discern, okay, what's, what's, the, what's the right thing to do? And, and is there a way to differentiate between, between good and the best thing to do? And, and how can we minimize distraction in the middle of all of that? The passage of Scripture, starting in verse 38, Luke chapter 10 says this, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So just picture this. Jesus is, he's knocked on their door. He's there. The table setting's on point. The smell of the casserole is, is just filling the house, you know. The just... All in that moment, you can smell it, can't you? Just amazing. But, but then to even to top that off, you look into the oven and you see that the cobbler's bubbling. You know good things are happening when the cobbler's bubbling, right? It's bubbling. It's come to the surface. You look in there. You turn the light. And you got the crust. It's just on top. It's not too crusty and weird and hard. It's just enough to add just the texture that you like. But it's bubbly and you know it's about done. People are seated And then Martha, although all that's right, Martha then is is busy cleaning up the dishes. Martha's walking through the house and she's like, doesn't anyone see the dirt in the corner of that room? She's, She's distracted and said, oh my goodness, can't you guys pick up your feet? Look at that rug. She's, she's going through the house and, and she's trying to take care of everything. And yet, we know from the scripture that she's distracted. It wasn't that what she was doing was bad. It just wasn't the best thing. And yet, isn't that the case so much so that when we get into this time of year, it's so easy to be distracted by all the things of Christmas and to miss the reason for Christmas. It's so easy to get, to get in the mix of the, of, of the fudge and the divinity and the cookies and the getting together and the buying the presents and the, the white elephant gift and, and the Christmas parties and Christmas dinners and, and the ones you want to go to and the ones you don't want to go to. Like, it's so easy to be distracted by all of those things and actually miss the fact that Christmas is about Jesus. Christmas is about the greatest rescue plan set in motion for all times. That Jesus Christ would be born in a manger, that he would live, that he would be born a virgin, that he would live a perfect life, never sinning, that he would be, uh, he would be brought before the law and authority in that day, and he was deemed not or he was deemed guilty of something that he was clearly not guilty of and he was crucified on a cross and three days later he resurrected and the resurrection doesn't happen if the incarnation of Jesus doesn't happen 
There would be no rescue plan. There would be no salvation. There would be no offering that would be one that would, that would allow us true salvation. We would still be in our sins if we didn't have Christmas. And yet, because of, of the culture that we live in, we can be so distracted and be swept away from Jesus, from our walk with God. See, Martha and Mary aren't the only ones to ever get distracted. People have been distracted for a long, long time. David was distracted by pleasure. Samson was distracted by lust. Abraham was distracted by fear. Paul was distracted by pain. So we can give our distractions all sorts of names. But yet, at the end of the day, our distraction is anything that pulls our attention away from God. I think Martha has somewhat of the the older sibling syndrome. Also, if she's the one who's, she's into all the details and making sure that everything's taken care of and she's managing. Which I'm not hating on, on Martha because it's people like Martha that make sure that the bills get paid and the kids get fed and there's groceries in the pantry and you show up on time and, and you have clothes to wear that are clean that you don't have to, you know, rifle through the hamper picking what's the, the cleanest dirty clothes you have in the bottom of the hamper and shaking them out because they, you know, it's like praise the Lord for people who have that kind of inclination like a Martha who, who, who knows about the details and she cares about the details. So I'm not hating on her. But I also know that when you have that Martha kind of syndrome, Her care and concern and overwhelming concern then brings anxiety to other people who are in the room. And I believe Jesus knows this. So while Martha is trying to invite Mary into her own anxiety, Jesus steps in and he doesn't scold Mary at all, or really Martha, but what he does do is he course corrects Martha's heart, saying and helping her to realize that that Mary is actually doing the right thing. I've also found this to be true. The most difficult choices aren't between good and bad, but between good and best. It's really easy for me to know the difference between good and bad. Sin, not a sin. Like, it's, it's pretty easy. I'm not saying I bat a thousand in that regard, but it's pretty easy. Now, it's harder to actually always do the right thing, but to know the right thing to do not as difficult. But when you have to start making decisions between good and best, that's when, that's when I think it becomes a little bit more difficult. So how can we, how can we do this? How can we help uh, govern our life, not just during Christmas, but in every aspect of our life, so that we can actually choose the best even over what we may think is good? I think we need to v- develop a filter. And the first thing I would say, looking right in this passage is we need to diminish the distractions. We need to diminish the distractions. Notice what's happening here in verse 39. It says, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he, did, or what he said. But, verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. We need to diminish the distractions. We need to, to handle these distractions very strategically, very specifically, and even spiritually. 
I've also noticed this about distractions. They can either speed us up or they can slow us down. Sometimes distractions, we may know the thing that we're supposed to do, but yet they may, they may just be there to slow us down, to keep us from doing what it is that God wants us to do, or they can speed us up to a point where we, don't, where we actually miss what it is that we're supposed to do, and yet we just get so caught up in it. Almost like an unruly treadmill. I'll illustrate it with this short video. The treadmill is a great way to exercise your body, but a lot of people don't know how to use these machines correctly. Here's our list of the top five treadmill fails. And it's a natural thing, of course. I mean, I mean, I could work out all day, and obviously I'm a, I'm, I'm an ex-athlete myself. And it's a natural thing, of course. I mean, I mean, I could work out all day, and obviously I'm a, I'm, I'm an ex-athlete myself. There you go. So, distractions can either speed us up or slow us down. It's a wonder, there, there are so many of these treadmill videos online, it's a wonder why anyone even sells or buys treadmills after all of these fails. Um, and I, I spent way too much time enjoying them before I ever picked the ones for you to see. I love the buildup at the end. You're like, no, this guy's killing. He's doing great. Yeah, he is. He's doing good. And that, and that comedic pause. And then the other guy's like, I can do this. Bam. No, you can't. See, distractions can either speed us up and slow us down. And I want you to know that Satan will always, out, he will always offer a counterfeit to God's best. Satan will always offer a counterfeit to God's best. It will be dangling in front of you because this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And he knows that what Jesus has, has on offer is a life, and life to the full, the gospel life. He knows that. So the thief, his plan is to distract and to steal and kill and destroy hope and peace and love and all these things. Why? Because all of these things are critical to living in the kingdom of God. And timing itself is crucial within the kingdom of God. Galatians 5 says this, starting in verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. What's the next word? Patience. Timing is critical in the kingdom of God. 
Proverbs 16.32 says this, Patience is better than power in controlling one's emotions than capturing a city. Patience is better than power. Waiting deliberately. Just because we see something in front of us doesn't mean that we need to respond to it in real time. Don't let the urgent crowd out the important. Don't let the urgent crowd out the important. One of the things that I think adds false urgency are our phones. Because they're with us all the time. It was the weirdest thing. I got so many text messages from Herschel Walker. At least they were from Herschel, at least they said so. Over the last couple weeks in the, the Georgia senatorial uh, vote and, you know, all of that. So it's like I was getting these text messages and I'm like, dude, you're wasting your time. I don't even vote in your state anymore. Like, but I was getting, I was getting message after message after message. I'm, I'm not talking one message. I'm saying I got multiple messages a day and every time I would delete and report, delete and report. I was trying to get rid of it every single time, but they were so creative and they would send another one having me vote for, for Herschel, vote for Herschel, vote for Herschel, all of these things. And that's just such a picture of, of what I think our phones represent for all of us. I've heard one preacher say that it's, it's this, the, 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 great, the great struggle that we have in our life right now is the, is the Father, Son, and the Holy Phone. It's because we're tied to it. Statistically, on average, Americans check their phones at least 96 times per day. That's once every 10 minutes. The average daily usage is two hours and 29 minutes, and that is data from July of this year. Needless to say, we are a distracted people, and it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not a Christian. I don't think that this, is, this doesn't separate us and say, well, no, now we're Christians. We're not distracted. We are just as distracted as everyone else, because if you have your phone, we have the same temptation. I think we need to treat distractions the same way that we would sin in our life. It's a drastic but good example that I would share for you in one verse from Proverbs 5.8. And this is the way Solomon is saying that we need to, that a young man needs to avoid an immoral woman. And this is what it says in Proverbs 5.8. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Don't even go near the door of her house. Stay away from the things that are distracting us. Solomon says of the the immoral woman, he's like, you know where she lives. You know the distractions there. You know what the potential is. If you go up to the door of her house, don't pay any attention to the house. Don't even get on the same street. Stay away from that address no matter what you do. Stay away from what is distracting us no matter what we do. If you can and when you can, diminish the distraction by staying away from what is distracting. If you can and when you can, Diminish the distraction by staying away from what is distracting. What does this mean practically? It means some of us need to turn our notifications off on our phone. 
We need to turn the notifications off because we can't have a conversation without our phone dinging and binging and it's vibrating on our watches and we can't actually carry even on any sort of conversation, let alone our walk with God. We sit down to have quiet time but we have the ding and the bing that happens on our phone and now we're distracted, our mind's off to the races. We've just set the squirrel loose in our brain and now we can't spiritually connect with God. I think some of us, it means we need to cancel Netflix. Some of us, we need to unplug our Xbox Five. Some of us need to get out of virtual reality into actual reality. Some of us need to just distance ourselves from our phone. And we, at minimum, need to monitor our phone usage. And if you have an Apple phone, you can easily do this. You can literally monitor your phone usage per day. There's another truth. I believe it's a universal truth. Originally, it was in the context of of relationships when the Apostle Paul is giving this this word to the church in Corinth, and it comes by way of 1 Corinthians 7, 35. But I think in this, there's also something to apply to our lives because what Paul is talking about is the situation that they're in relationally. He says, "If if you're single... Continue in being a single. If you're married, and you just continue being married. If you if you can't stay single because because that is going to get in the way of your walk with God, and yet you need to you need to pursue marriage and relationship, then do it. But what is Paul is talking about here is he says no matter what you do in the situation you're in, keep your eyes on Christ. This is what he says in verse 35, chapter seven. He says, "I'm th- saying this for your benefit." Not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you to serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. With as few distractions as possible. We need to, one, diminish the distractions, and two, we need to focus on the important. We need to focus on the important. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 says this, is such a, a great way for us to understand the kind of the posture of our hearts and our minds that we need to have if we're going to focus on what's important. This proverb, and there are many proverbs like it, but this proverb says, Proverbs four twenty-five through 27, let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet and all of your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right. Don't turn to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Imagine if you're walking alongside, uh, you're on a mountainside and you're on a trail and the trail's very narrow and yet on both sides there's disaster. What would you do if you were walking along a mountainside trail and and you're at the the razor's edge of this mountain and you're walking along this mountain and yet you want to save your life and you want to get to the bottom of the mountain? What are you going to do? You're going to have your eyes so fixated and your focus so attentive to the path in front of you. You're not gonna. You're not gonna let your eyes wander too far to the left because you know there's disaster there. You're not gonna let your eyes wander too far to the right because you know there's disaster there. You're not gonna put your your eyes straight forward because if you put it straight forward, your eyes are not gonna be down. And if the trail moves back and forth and as it as it zigs and zags, you could walk right off the mountain. So what are you gonna do? Because in in that moment, you're going to focus on what's important and you're going to put your eyes right before you and you're going to make sure that your feet match where your eyes tell you to go. 
If we're going to fight distractions, diminish distractions, if we're going to focus on the things that are the most important, it's this kind of lifestyle and this kind of posture. This is going to be the, the, the right thing for us to do, to be able to navigate not only Christmas, but the distractions, anything that deters us from our walk with God. And if we're going to travel light in this season, we have to focus on what is important I have a couple rules of thumb, just some things that I remember you can, this isn't Bible, this is just something I would add, so you can take it or leave it. But some things I think about in moments like this are, there should be experiences over things and relationships over tasks. Experiences over things, relationships over tasks. So a general rule of thumb to to place ourselves in, in a position of importance. It's to come to terms with this. It's about experiences over things. And it's relationships over tasks. And this is exactly what we see in the passage because we see Martha was distracted by all the preparations. But in verse 39 of the original passage, it said that Mary was sitting at the Lord's feet, listening to what he was saying. Because she was focusing on what was important. Because what was important in the moment wasn't the, the cobbler boiling over. It wasn't the smell of the casserole. It wasn't the, the dust bunny in the corner of the room. It wasn't the, the rug that somebody pick, couldn't pick their feet up. And it wasn't the rug that now is a mess in the middle of the floor. Because what was most important is we have a king who's come to our house. And we have a Messiah and we have the Savior of the world who's come to our house. And we need to soak up this experience with the King of Kings. And we need to put all those tasks aside and we need to relish in this relationship that we have with Jesus. There's another example that speaks into this. I'll tell you the context and then there's one verse you'll understand it clearly. In Nehemiah 6, in the Old Testament, great story of this, Nehemiah was called to do a great work for God, and he himself was, he, he was basically considered royalty, he worked for royalty, so he had all these perks. And he heard about the city of Jerusalem, and he heard about the city of Jerusalem because he was far away in a foreign land, a pagan land, and he, was, he heard about the city of Jerusalem, and the city of Jerusalem, the walls were down, and there was no gates, and and there was no gates and doors, and the city was demolished, and it was just a mess. It was a mess in that regard, and it was a mess spiritually. And yet, he commits to going to try and fix the issue of the people who I, he identified with, but yet he himself didn't live there. As a matter of fact, he told his boss, the king, prior to going to Jerusalem, he says, if you'll let me do this, I'll actually come back and work for you. It's an amazing thing. You see such focus with Nehemiah. And yet, in any time, and just trust me, church, any time that you make a commitment to focus on your relationship with God, there will be people around you to try and deter what God is doing. And they may or may not even know that they're being used by the evil one. They may not even know. They could be so like so distracted themselves to just doing things and they could be the ones distracting you and they could be completely unaware. 
But the people who were against Nehemiah, they knew what they were doing. There were three individuals amongst others. There was a guy by the name of Tobiah, Geshem, and Sanballat. They all worked together to go against Nehemiah, to distract Nehemiah. This is one of the ways that they did it. Verse 3, chapter 6 of Nehemiah. The messengers come to him, and they're asking him. They said, Nehemiah, come down from that. He's literally doing work. And he says, come down from here. They came at him four times, by the way, with the same thing. Hey, come down. I want to talk to you. They wanted to peel him away from the work because if he could, he could be peeled away from the work, they could distract him or pull him away, and they actually wanted to kill him, most theologians believe. But notice what he says because he's so focused on what was the most important in that time. He says, I'm doing important work and cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? He says, I am doing an important work. He's like, why should I even bother with having this conversation? But yet they were so intent on distracting him, they came at him four times. And his response was this response every time. I'm doing an important work and it cannot come down. If we would have this as being our mental space to say, you know what? I I can't be distracted by what's going on around me because what I'm doing is important. My walk with God is important. Discipling my kids is important. Going to life group is important. Serving in the local church is important. Connecting with with the spiritual mentor is important. Connecting with other like-minded believers, that's important. I'm sorry, I'm busy and I can't come down. I can't indulge in those things because what's most important for me in this season is not to be distracted from what God wants, but is to be embedded in what God wants. We do that by focusing on what's important. But there's another takeaway right in the passage. Jesus said to Martha, 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 you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. But only one thing's needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Well, from this passage, what had Mary chosen to do? She chose to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to his voice. So the last takeaway to develop this this filter is diminish the distractions Ruthlessly, if we have to, focus on what's important so we can listen to the voice of God. So we can listen to the voice of God. Because this is indeed what what Mary does. She's chosen the, the one thing that's needed in that moment, not to be distracted by all the other things going on, but to just sit at the feet of Jesus. Because think about how how rare of a moment this was in her life. That Jesus is at their house. Keenly aware of what they needed. Speaking to them, not the masses, but to them. Did you know this is still the way that God wants to connect with us today? That God longs not to just connect with the masses. He's not just so concerned with Calvary Baptist Church that he thinks of us only as a group, but yet he's so concerned with you individually. That he is fighting the powers of hell on your behalf so you can be attentive to him. That he is fighting the powers of hell so you will know his voice. 
and that you will not be distracted by lesser things. Do you know that he's working on your behalf? It's about time you work with him instead of against him. It's about time that you take your walk with Christ seriously. That you take it seriously. That you stop trying to live your life with God connected only through my walk with God. And here's what I mean. Stop having Sunday mornings as your only time where you feed on the Word of God. You're not going to know God's voice unless you get into God's Word. And some amazing things happen when you get into God's Word and you fight the distractions because you focused on what's important and you can listen to the voice of God because He speaks through His Word. But yet you partner with God. It's a spiritual battle that we are in the middle of and we can either be on the side of God or we can be complicit and be on the side of the evil one even if we sometimes we choose it and sometimes we don't. But it's high time if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ that you listen to the voice of God and that you become one who feeds on the word of God without being told to do so. And I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but what I am trying to do is I'm trying to, by the Spirit of God, to to wake you up spiritually. Stop making excuses for why you are in the place that you're in, because that's not where God wants you to be. It's time that we understand that we are distracted, and sometimes we choose to be distracted. Place your walk with God above all else. Place your walk with God above all else. Ruthlessly diminish the distractions so you can focus on what's important, so you can listen to the voice of God. Let this be our prayer. Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Some of you need to, you need to be meditating and praying over this. You need to, to live in this verse, to just go to God over and over and over and say, God, teach me your way, that I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. There's another common passage of Scripture that fits. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. So there's... There's an element of this of turning away from what just comes natural to us. There's a a turning away from what we think is right. A turning away from distractions and turning towards God. Turning towards God with the trust in our heart and, and choosing to not lean on our own understanding. But in all of our ways, in all of our doings, in all of our conversations, and in the midst of life's distractions, to acknowledge Him. And when we do that, He will make our paths straight.
Let me finish by asking you these three questions. With what you're doing, you're in the middle of, of life. If you, if you don't change anything based upon what I've said and what, what God may be prompting your heart to do, I think you should ask yourself, what's the cost? What's the cost? What's the cost if you go through and you just ignore everything that I'm talking about right now? What's the cost? Like if you're to continue on the same spiritual path and plane that you have been prior to, to hearing this, what's the cost? The second, say, what's, what would be the benefit? If I actually heeded the advice of the word of God, what would be the benefit if I were to do so right now? What about my life would change? What about, the, what about my, my joy level? Would, would it change if I actually did what the word of God says? Would I be able to be more attentive to the needs of others and my own personal needs if I were to diminish the distractions? The second question is, what's the benefit? Third is, where is this decision leading me? So you're in the middle of, you're trying to figure out, okay, what's good and what's best? Where is this decision leading me? We're all together in this. I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you. The, the world is just a distraction machine. At Christmas, at Easter, every other time in between. So we have to do what we can do to partner with God, to diminish the distractions, focus on what's important so that we can listen to the voice of God.